Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. I'm Jorge Martin. Everybody, gracias for joining us. We got a fun show for you today um, because we have an esteemed invitado coming to us. He's from Arrowhead Report uh, on Sports Illustrated. His name is El Señor Joshua Briscoe. He's got so many other responsibilities that I'm going to do a quick intro to him and I'm going to let him uh, introduce all of the great things that he does. Uh, Joshua, bienvenidos. Welcome, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I, I think you said esteemed, which no one has ever said about me in any context. <laughs> so I, I already feel like the, the honorifics have been covered here. Well, I could have said estimado, so I could I could have done that to, to kind of throw it off, but definitely. You, you could also, you could say almost anything in Spanish and I would be like, yeah, thanks for that. And it could just be Spanish for bleephole, like, and that would be fine. <laughs> Well, I would not call you that because uh, I'm really, I, I'm really thrilled that you you accepted our invitation to this because this is just this has been a fun series that I, that I've been doing with the beat writers and I'm going to be doing this throughout the month of July and maybe a little bit into August so because 32 teams is not easy to get to but um, yeah, tell us everywhere else they they can find you obviously on uh, a couple other places on air they can find you. Yeah, I have. Uh, I do the night show called Almost Entirely Sports here on Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Um, you can just you want to listen to that. We podcast it all. So Almost Entirely Sports, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, like you said, I'm the editor of Arrowhead Report on Sports Illustrated. I do another podcast with a couple of my friends from The Athletic on The Athletic called Times Ours about the Chiefs. So Almost Entirely Sports, Times Ours, ArrowheadReport.com. Um, I think that's the, the gist of it all, but I, I told you this before we started. Like my Twitter bio is a nightmare. My pinned tweet is just a whole series of links of things that I do because I can't fit them all into the bio and I wouldn't have it any other way. Hey man, you know what? It's 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 great to be busy with a lot of different things, and uh, and I appreciate you joining us because this is kind of like a little bit of a down period before about a month from now. It's gonna the busy period is really gonna start up again, and uh, you know we're. I was going to talk X's and a, a little bit of X's and O's uh, concentrating on the, the skill position players, because those are the players who bring us fantasy football points. And it's going to start with number 15 so much. Yeah. I mean, he, for me, I, I, you know, I know you have to be unbiased. I don't have to be unbiased. Patrick Mahomes is one of my favorite players, uh, possibly because I drafted him way late in mm -hmm. 2018 and his MVP season. So I, I enjoyed that very much that season because I did it in our family league and uh, <laughs> I got to hold that over everybody <laughs> the whole season until I lost in the playoffs, but that's another oh, story. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I have to be objective I would say but I don't have to be dumb so like for me to not say yeah Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football like I that would immediately I think under undercut my uh my, my as as you've you've leveled out so many of my honorifics so much of my incredible credibility uh I think would go right <laughs> out the window if I said you know what we need to pump the brakes of this Mahomes fellow I I'm not gonna suggest that well, you know, for so many fans, the lasting memory of Patrick Mahomes at the Super Bowl was just basically running all seemingly all over Tampa, not just the football yeah. field. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he got to St. Pete. It was he was doing a lot of movement <laughs> out there. It was ridiculous. Yeah, with no with no red lights for him. And uh, <laughs> so and we knew about the injured toe going into there. And I think uh, the fact that he had surgery only a couple of days after the Super Bowl, that we knew that this, the severity of this was, you know, that, that it was, that it was definitely of a high, you know, high grade. Yeah. Um, what were you, you know, you've had mini camp, uh, you've attended mini camp. What were you able to 
uh, gather from how his rehab has gone and kind of like a little bit of his, uh, any questions being answered going into the 2021 season? Yeah. I mean, he, he's taking questions about it at pretty much every turn throughout many camps. Andy Reid's talked about it and it sounds like, and it's looked like it's all systems go. I mean, there's, I, I think at this point, there's no real reason to think that he's going to be limited by it. Um, certainly by the beginning of the season and in all likelihood by the beginning of training camp, he said he was able to do everything he wanted to do. I think Andy Reid said something very, very similar throughout mini camps. Now, again, we're talking about mini camps and we're here in, in the end of June and there's a lot of moving parts still, but at this point, I, I think that Everybody from a fantasy perspective, from the Chiefs perspective, you're going to get Patrick Mahomes looking like Patrick Mahomes. He was out for his charity golf tournament. You know, if if his if his toe gets stepped on, that would be bad. It would be bad if that happened to a fully healthy foot anyway. And even with a turf toe, the, the, the final score wouldn't have shown this. But he played pretty well in the Super Bowl with the toe issue. Played, played pretty well in the AFC Championship game with the toe issue. So I, I think there's no real concern there other than the mandatory question of, are you guys sure it's fine? Seems like it's fine. Can, can you you tell me what your reaction was? There was the throw where he, his feet were, ta- you know which throw I'm talking about. He's, He's horizontal with the ball in his hand. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I know for me watching at home, it was, I was just, I mean, just flabbergasted. What was your reaction on that play? One of my favorite video games of all time is NFL Street 2, specifically on the GameCube. It's a game that I like. It's just sort of cartoonish nonsense uh, with style points, and you can jump off the walls and throw and throw the ball and everything. It's just it's a, it's a beautiful game. It's a little simple, but it's I, I love it. It's a, a great football game. If that would have happened against me in NFL Street 2, I would have thrown my controller across the room and never played it again. Like, and, and, and there are a couple of those instances where he's making these incredible plays straight up parallel to the ground and it's hitting guys in the hands. It's hitting Daryl Williams in the face mask. Uh, There was an incredible one where he was, he basically pirouetted. And as the, as he was turning to face the corner of the end zone, again, the ball comes out and it would have been a nice catch. But if the receiver hauls that in, it's one of the most amazing touchdowns you've ever seen. It's one of the most amazing plays you've seen in Super Bowl history. And even at that point, the game was pretty much in the bag because you could see it just wasn't it wasn't happening. Um, but yeah, it it is it's it's going to sound insane. Maybe I'm going to sound like a homer, but like it's one of the most impressive performances I've seen from a quarterback ever, given the circumstances of, of what he was working with there. And uh, every basically everybody else, at least offensively, had their worst game at the worst time. And Mahomes may have had his worst game by by some measure, but uh, the worst of Patrick Mahomes still brings you literally things you've never seen before no he was magical and and yeah he's such a generational talent you know really making everyone around him better no matter what time of year it is i mean he's one of those guys he's one of those quarterbacks who is weatherproof i think it's i I think it's him rogers allen and not many other guys beyond that what you know Every guy, every player uh, wants to wants to improve on something going into mm-hmm. a new season. Is it possible for? I mean, what are the things that he's looking to improve upon? Uh, because I know he's still going to chase another five thousand yard, fifty touchdown season like he had in twenty eighteen. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're going to eventually push me this direction anyway. So I'm going to I'm going to drift over here. Uh, pun sure. about to be intended. The offensive line obviously got totally overhauled this year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. They make the trade for. He's going to be their left tackle. Mike Rimmer's probably their right tackle this year. Also be Lucas Niang, the guy, the, the the red shirt rookie. He opted out last season. This will be his first year. Um, they bring in Joe Tooney, pay him the most money for a guard in the NFL. They draft Creed Humphrey. He's probably going to start in the middle of the offensive line at center. We got a few different guards coming back on the right side. The reason I start with that group to answer your question about what Mahomes can improve on is because the one thing, the one thing that has come up for a few weeks, both of these last couple of years, is that Mahomes has these these this tendency occasionally, especially once he's sort of lost. Think midseason when he's sort of losing a little bit of faith on the interior offensive line, holding the depth of the pocket there. Well, you'll see him drift back a little bit. Now he's Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes can drift back and he can be an extra seven yards back from where he should have been. And he has the arm talent to get it wherever, anywhere on the field that he wants to go from there. But what the the issue ends up actually being is not when he bails out and scrambles. That's a great part of his game that he should never be trying to get rid of. The issue is that sometimes whenever you drift back in the pocket, you're you're putting the target farther back. Uh, than, than your tackles are expecting it to be. Because, you know, one of the ways you can handle an edge rusher is to run them back out of the play instead of just trying to hold them right there. They're moving. You're moving backwards. That's part of a pass set. But if you run a defensive end out, again, kind of behind where the quarterback's going to be, your pocket is still fully intact there. But there were a few times where you'd see Mahomes drift and all of a sudden now the tackles are having to recalibrate. That's going to only be, in my mind, more highlighted this year because Orlando Brown is a very different tackle than Eric Fisher was on the left side uh, in, in these years past. So I, I think that uh, it is my new, right? Like, I, I think Josh Allen is great. Josh Allen might have 10 things to improve on before he starts talking about drifting and back in the pocket over the course of three weeks before he ended up fixing it again, which is what happened with Mahomes. But it is one thing to keep an eye on. And I think it's really right now. It, it's not even like, I was going to say, it's like, it's like, it's his kryptonite or something. And that's ridiculous. It's not, but it is one thing. And specifically that then that relationship with the offensive line this year is going to be vital to figuring out how high their ceiling can go. Oh, that's incredible. Actually, I was going to ask you about that, but I think you might have already, you you pretty much already nailed it. Uh, two birds, one stone. If I, <laughs> if I can get two answers with one question, then we're, we're on a pretty good ratio, I think. Wasn't it that, you know, you were, the way you were talking about that, uh, it reminded me of a play where I think it was Mahomes, you know, he just kept drifting back and he just got like tackled, you know, ankle tackled by yeah. like 35 yards and, you know, for a 35 yard loss was, that's the type of play you're talking about, right? Yeah, and, and it so rarely has that type of consequence. Like, I think that's the only time where you go, oh, wow, he had a 30, 35-yard sack there. It, it's not like that's some sort of epidemic of, of Mahomes' game, but it ends up being more of plays that could have been extended if he would step up into the pocket. Because, again, that one right there, that's the exclamation point example of it. But but even more minutely, the, the, the times where he's – you know, taking his normal drop and then starts getting worried about his interior pressure and starts scooting back farther and farther. Well, then now the the places where the tackles are trying to run, the the edge rushers are are where Mahomes is currently standing. And so now he's getting hit back there while he's trying to throw. Or if the interior holds up a little better or if he just trusts his interior, you step up and the play now lasts for another two seconds. You give Tyree Killer Travis Kelsey two more seconds to get open. You're talking about the difference from being hit as you check it down to having a, a clean pocket to step up and throw 50 yards downfield for some huge play. So there are a couple instances where it's clearly like, well, that's terrible. But there are also some instances where I think 
more more minutely that it can make an impact on his game on a week to week level, which is also partially why they spent so much money and so many draft picks and everything on on really securing the the the, the offensive line and specifically the interior, which isn't necessarily where I would be spending my salary cap space. But I think if that's the logic that the Chiefs have, I do think the logic holds up. And and I think one of the, the last question on on Mahomes, I think one of the sneaky parts about his game is the, is is his legs. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, I, I think he usually runs for about you know three hundred to four hundred yards, maybe sneak in a touch, a few touchdowns. When you look at that, uh, and and coming off the toe injury, does it? I mean, I, any concern that that may be a little bit uh, lessened? To, to some extent. So if you remember back to uh, to the, the knee injury he had in Denver mm-hmm. when his kneecap was on the side of his leg and then it ended up being popped back in place, we thought a season may have been over. And then uh, a couple months later, he was on the stage at the end of the parade, drunkenly, <laughs> I'm just going to acknowledge, drunkenly yelling, my kneecap was on the side of my leg. Like that was a moment that I'll be unable to ever forget because it's incredible. Um, it kind of put brought the filter down a little bit. But that injury came on a quarterback sneak. I don't know if you're ever going to see Patrick Mahomes run another quarterback sneak, at least with Andy Reid as head coach. I don't know if it's ever, it did not, it has not happened since. It may never happen again. The toe, I think, would have to be a physical limitation because it is such a part of his game. And so I really, I, at this point still, I would put my money on the toe is going to be a non-issue by week one. Hopefully it's a non-issue over the course of training camp. And I think you might see him trying to continue to get smarter with his body and with what he what hits he's willing to take and stuff like that. But you're right. It's it's also from a fantasy perspective, it's probably the most underrated part of his game. And I remember for the last eight weeks of the season or something last year, I was looking at the lines of the over-under on Mahomes' rushing yards. And I think the over cashed like six or seven out of eight times, something crazy oh, like wow. that, where even the betting markets hadn't fully adjusted to the fact that because he doesn't look like Lamar Jackson when he runs, he looks sort of somebody I can't I think it might have been like a Mina Kimes tweet or something, but he kind of runs like a toddler. Like his legs are kind of locked sometimes. He doesn't move. He's not the most athletic looking runner of all time, but he's moving out there and he's taking that as option three or four, right? But if he sees seven yards to just go scoot four and slide, they'll pick it back up and go again on on second and three happily. So I I don't think that's going to be leaving his game anytime soon. Uh, That might be something that we're talking about in five or 10 years where he becomes a more pure pocket passer. But the thing is like right now, if he, if he couldn't move his feet outside of the pocket, he'd, he'd still probably be the best quarterback in football. Yeah. Well, I think that's enough on my, on one of my favorite players. Uh, I, let's go to the running game a little bit. Clyde sure. Edwards Hilaire was a darling last year, been going in the first round fantasy managers were going nuts. They were going mm-hmm. locos for this guy. <laughs> they were, you know, everybody, it's, this guy's a first round draft pick. This guy could be the number one overall better than McCaffrey, blah, blah, blah. So, there were a few, Yeah, <laughs> but uh, a lot of people are feeling burned and yeah. I'm kind of sensing, I know they added Jarek McKinnon and mm-hmm. Darren Williams and, um, and, and Darwin Thompson are also there. But uh, I'm kind of feeling like this is a buying opportunity. Yeah. That, uh, w- what's your assessment of Clyde Edwards-Lair going into the season? 
I think I, I I couldn't tell you the ADP or anything off the top of my head at this moment, but if he can be kind of a post-hype sleeper right now, I think that's the right read. I, I agree 100%. Um, he actually, one of the biggest sort of disappointments from the Chiefs more more holistically and also from a fantasy perspective is that he wasn't as involved in the passing game as everyone thought he was going to be. Um, I'll, I'll give you a quick background on, on how I felt when they made the draft pick. I was not happy. Partially because um, I had said that I would be shocked if the Chiefs drafted a running back in the first round. And I did this. I said this on Times R. I said I'd be shocked if they drafted a running back in the first round. So shocked, in fact, that I mean it literally. You can tase me if they draft a running back in the first round. We haven't done that yet because of the pandemic and everything. And and Seth Kaiser, one of my co-hosts on the show, lives in Minnesota. And he's going to do the honors next time he's in Kansas City. Um, But that so I was that was not great. I was really dead wrong on that. It's the most wrong I've ever been about anything. But you know what I liked? I liked Patrick Mahomes in the 2017 draft. So I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm safe. But um, I, I was, I also was, the, one of the reasons I was so confident is because I don't like the value of drafting a running back in the first round from an NFL perspective, from a mm-hmm. fantasy perspective, completely different, obviously. Um, but so with all of that is the background. The one thing that I was willing to kind of give up a little bit of ground on is look, if they, if they run, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like Christian McCaffrey in the passing game, if you see him in the slots, and if you see him catching passes out of the backfield, if you see him running some more vertical stuff out of the backfield, uh, which like Damian Williams did that really well in their Super Bowl run before he opted out, you know, last year, that was a huge part of his game. So, well, if you're going to kind of upgrade on that role with Clyde, then I actually think there is a value there. And that was not really a part of his game. His, his pass receiving volume and his pass catching snaps were actually relatively where you would expect them to be with the type of stuff that he was running route wise wasn't there. I have to think short off season, weird off season last year, full off season this year, a year with the playbook. I have to think that they're going to force themselves to trust him to do more of that now and say, hey, you, you're going to have to be able to read defenses as you go. Um, something that he's talked about, you know, not not being able, not being as as quick to the top as he wanted to be last year because in Andy Reid's offense, everyone's reading and reacting. Like the whole thing, there's obviously a ton of planning, but it, there's there's improv in all of it. There, there, you read this and then you do that. Not improv perhaps, but, but if this, then this mm-hmm. sort of propositions. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that that's going to be a bigger part of Clyde's game this year. I wouldn't be too worried about, about Jarek McKinnon or, or Darrell Williams. I think worst case scenario from a fantasy perspective is that those guys continue to be third down backs. Darrell Williams was the third down back for the most part last year, especially later in the season. If you get Clyde on first and second down though, uh, especially with their, with their new offensive line. And and there's been a little bit of chatter about if they're going to maybe change blocking schemes with their new offensive line uh, and maybe going to more of a gap running scheme as opposed to a zone running scheme and all of that. Um, So if if that all ends up happening, I I do think that Clyde ends up being, I, I, again, I have to, I'll have to ask you where the ADP is right now, but if Clyde can be a number two back on your roster, I think that is a super, super strong bet to make. Uh, he's going in like the second or third round. To me, if he I think lasts, that, if yeah. he lasts the third round, I'm like that's a bargain. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't know how, if I'm going to have any draft where I'm going to let him get past me in the second round. Honestly, yeah. I think that makes, I think that makes a ton of sense because I, I, I still think like his floor last year was still decent until he got hurt. I mean, it, he, he definitely dipped a little bit, but I, I would have a pretty tough time seeing him be like a second round underwhelming performer and I would have a very easy time seeing him way outperform that draft slot the only thing there is that you don't know how much the Chiefs are going to run the ball 
I am of the mind that they should be putting the, the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands as often as possible. Like a, a ridiculous NFL changing amount is, is kind of where I would go in terms of passing versus running the ball. But if they're going to run it some, it, it's probably going to be Clyde. So uh, yeah, I, I think that if you could get him in the, the late second, again, if he's your running back two or if you go receiver or tight end early and he needs to be your, your running back one, I think you, you could do a whole lot worse than that. Oh, absolutely. Some of the guys that are going in that range, uh, I, I, I've got Clyde ahead of them. In fact, I have yeah. him fairly, uh, I have him a lot higher than a lot than some of the expert consensus rankings. So hopefully I can uh, pull that up a little bit by draft day, but I mean, you want a piece of this offense and this is a great yeah. way to get, get that because I, you know, that the two guys that I'm going to talk about right now, Travis Kelsey, uh, uh, Tyreek Hill. I usually break up the wide receivers and tight ends, but really mm-hmm. on this team, you you can't. These are the one A, one B. I yeah. mean, they're twin unicorns in a lot of way. In a lot of ways, yeah. Are we looking at more of the same? How they're broken? How how it, it's going to happen for them this year? They're they're still in the prime of their careers, even though Kelsey's on the other side of thirty. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I'd be, I'd be floored if either of them just like dropped off within the next couple of years. I, I just, I, I don't think that that universe exists. Um, twin unicorns is exactly right, and then they have another one throwing in the ball. Like the Chiefs' offense has three literal like generational players all at the same time, which is such a rare, difficult thing, you know. And and if Tyreek Hill is among the best receivers in the sport, you know, it, you could say that that Aaron Rodgers and um, and Devonte Adams are are kind of in a similar quarterback receiver duo, but Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football, and he has been for longer than most people would probably give him credit for because Gronk was doing so many incredible things. He was doing them with Patrick Mahomes while Travis Kelsey was working with with Alex Smith, and Alex Smith and Travis Kelsey had a good connection. Like that was still a good duo and, and a good work for for Kelsey in fantasy, especially whenever you could get him. But now I I, I just don't know what defenses could possibly do knowing that you have Travis Kelsey and you have Pat, you have, you have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill on the field at the same time with Patrick Mahomes deciding who gets the ball on a, on a play-by-play basis. So yeah, I have nothing but, but good things to say about both of them and, and fantasy as actual players on the field, the offense altogether. Um, we might get to this, but, but the only questions start coming after them on the depth chart. Sammy Watkins goes to Baltimore. Now mm-hmm. um, I could actually see a world in which Kelsey and Hill only get more relied on because there are more question marks behind them now. And obviously last year they were still incredibly heavily relied on. And Watkins has had his injury issues his entire time in Kansas city, his entire time in the NFL, obviously. But uh, I I could see them, if anything, just getting even more work. Maybe you're going to find the defense that occasionally says, Hey, we are going to double Kelsey. We're going to double Hill. And if you beat us with Nicole Hardman or whatever, then God bless you. We're not going to let you beat us with Hill and Kelsey. They can try, I don't think any team is going to do that successfully, though. I don't know how you could take both of them out. I don't I think don't you know. have enough enough guys on the field, yeah. uh, especially and, and you know, especially if you're only rushing, you know, three four guys. Yep. And, and uh, yeah, I, I just don't know how that happens. Um, well, Nicole Hardman has yeah. been a question. Has been you mentioned him. Could he, you know, with Watkins out, this is the third year, you know, for, for years, it was always the third year wide receiver is when they come through. Now it's happening more in the second year, but for him is, is, do you see something where you, maybe he doesn't get a hundred targets, but he gets some important targets uh, in this offense? Yeah. I, last year I was too high on him. 
and then it didn't happen. So I think this year, maybe maybe I'm maybe this is where I'm doing the the thing that some Clyde uh, drafters were doing, where I'm a little bit afraid to be as optimistic as I was last year. And part of it is that that he, whenever the Chiefs drafted him, this is all a lot of other stuff going on here. Whenever the Chiefs traded up to draft him in the second round, that was right as there was a whole lot of new uncertainty about Tyree Kill and just sort of what was going to happen next with him, all sorts of moving parts. And so I think he ended up being the, the reason that that's relevant is that I think he ended up being a bit of Travis Kelsey, or excuse me, a bit of Tyree Kill insurance. Where if you say, yikes, if this goes poorly for Tyree Kill, maybe we need to, uh, you know, find some generational speed somewhere else and try to bring him along. The issue is that, you know, obviously Hill's been Hill's been on the field and Hardman's role has not really developed. Um, I don't think he's going to replace Sammy Watkins's snaps. Whenever, when even whenever Watkins was hurt, it was a lot of Demarcus Robinson. It, it, it got a little bit of Byron Pringle. They drafted Cornell Powell out of Clemson this year. I think he's my like really late flyer in a deeper league that where maybe he gets a little bit of that Sammy Watkins role. But it's so hard to produce in an Andy Reid offense as a rookie. We're talking about McCole Hardman trying to do it in his third year. So it is a genuine point of of concern for me right now with this Chiefs offense they were in on Juju Smith-Schuster you know that they, they were they were mm -hmm. very close to landing him uh, and a few other uh, uh, free agents on the the, the there was a few other receivers on the free agent market as well and didn't land any of them so I think they know that there's a little bit of a deficiency among their receivers at this point and then they end up drafting Powell and, and we'll see how he develops but I think Hardman is the next receiver you would take a shot on. His ceiling is way higher than Demarcus Robinson's at this point. I think it's probably higher than Cornell Powell's, but I would hate to be relying on him because I just, I we're two years in and I really don't know how the chiefs view McCole Hardman. And that's why he's an interesting draft pick. And it's also why he's a bit of a scary one because I could really still see it going either of two ways. I could see it looking pretty much like a clone of last year or even also like, you know, in Hill's missed time, Hardman hasn't exactly exploded in that role. So I, I could see him basically having a rerun of 2020. Um, and I think there is a world in which they say, hey, we're not going to try to replace Sammy Watkins. We're going to try to just put our fastest next best receiver on the field in his role and see what we can do with it. I think those are both options. I would hesitate to say very confidently that either one's going to happen, though. It's a, it's a legit coin flip for me at this point. Yeah, I, I kind of look at him as kind of like a late round flyer, where yeah, maybe maybe you, maybe you play him uh, on a bye week and just hope you you know that's the week that he catches an eighty yard touchdown and yeah. Uh, Cause he's one of those guys that gets three, three passes or, you know, three receptions in a game or something like that. So, right. Whereas, if, I mean, go ahead. I was, if he ends up being that kind of boomer bust guy, then he's probably going to be there with another dozen dudes that are basically in that same range. There's the chance that he becomes a part, a larger entire part of the offense. I just don't know that that's going to happen. I, I don't know that it's not either. I'm, I, I just, I, I, he's, he is one of the most sort of interesting unknowns on this roster at this point, which is again, crazy as we're entering year three for him. So, uh, this one's going to be a non-football question. And I, I asked, you know, Travis Kelsey's such a character yes. and I love his interviews. He's, he's one of those guys who's, who speaks his mind, the DGAF when it comes to interviews. And I love yes. him for that. Any fun story with him? Um, I was glad you, you gave me a little bit of an indicator this question might be coming, which I appreciate it. Cause if you would have just dropped it on me, I'm not sure I would have had much for you. Um, but you, you, you gave me some time to think about it. 
And I, I went back to, uh, there's the American Century Championship, which I think is actually starting like very soon this year, big golf tournament in Lake Tahoe, <laughs> celebrity golf tournament. They'll televise it in some places. And, and for a few years, Sports Radio 810, we went out there. So I went out there um, the, uh, in 2019 and Kelsey was out there. He was playing and, and was all there, was there for all the, the parties and everything. Um, but he had, he had had like, it was a foot surgery or an ankle issue or something towards the end of the season. And so now we're in July and, uh, there was a celebrity karaoke contest that was going on and he ended up up on the stage singing, don't stop believing. And there was a moment in which he leaped and like stomped to the ground that genuinely frightened me (laughs) because I'm thinking like, I just hope his foot's okay. Like it's July, like training camp's not that far away. And there, I think maybe he had missed, maybe he had missed some mini camp time. The details are fuzzy. It was a couple of years ago. Um, but he had a song in his heart that he needed to share and it was don't stop believing. And he blasted it. And uh, he leaped and landed in a way that at that, that point I, I was able to tweet out the video and say pretty confidently, Hey guys, don't worry. I think Travis Kelsey's foot is fine. He didn't prove it to me on a football field. He proved it to me on a stage doing karaoke to don't stop believing. So that's, that is my quintessential Travis Kelsey memory. I think just a city boy born and raised <laughs> in not South Detroit, <laughs> born and raised in Ohio. It's not really the, yeah, close enough, but yeah, that's a, that's a different kind of high note to hit. <laughs> it is, man. I don't have that range. I don't. <laughs> Um, you know, I, uh, I didn't ask you if you played fantasy football, but I mean, I, I could kind of tell by some of your answers. Are you, are, are you an avid player? Are there any particular, particular, uh, formats that you like to play in? Yeah, I, I think my first league was when I was 13 and which now puts me at over a decade of playing fantasy football, which is sort of wild to think about. Cause, um, I don't think I'm that old, but apparently I am, <laughs> um, I'm old enough to have done things for decades now. But yeah, um, I, I started playing in when I was, I think I was thirteen and listening to the podcast fantasy podcasts started then, which probably pushed me into a, the the media direction that I'm in now. Um, but yeah, I one of my favorite things was a a keeper league that that was one of the very first leagues that I started as like the commissioner of, where for a while I think it was actually the first league with recurring you know friends and family and whatnot. Um, and we would just, you would have a few guys that you could keep. I think the cap was two and then it got to five. I think we're still at five now, but that was always sort of fun because it made you redraft and churn over the bottom of your roster, but you got to lock down your stars, you know? Um, and so that was always, I've always had fun with that. I think the one thing that I've always wanted to do, but never have actually played is the keeper leagues that, that you can keep them at the, uh, at the round they were drafted minus one. Oh, so yes. you can't keep you can't keep a first round pick, but if you keep you could keep a second round pick, but you forfeit your first round pick for the next year. But if you if you get Patrick Mahomes in the eighth round in his rookie season, you're gonna have seven years of being able to keep Patrick Mahomes at increasing penalties. Um, and that that format has always been a lot of fun for me. But yeah, man, I mean I uh I've I've been playing fantasy forever, and there were there were also so many times where I, I there there might have been years in there where I would do a hundred mock drafts because it's just a blast. I've just always I've always loved that. Um, that's always been my favorite part of it, and uh, and it's an it's an incredible it's an incredible phenomenon. Like it's it's wild that something so nerdy is so ever present everywhere, and it, like, everybody understands it at least a little bit. And it, it's just. It, it's been an awesome thing for football. It's been an awesome thing for talking about football. And uh, I, I just, I know so few people who are like, no, I've never played fantasy football. What are you talking about? Everybody does it. And it's, it's a blast. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, obviously, and, and it's year round. I mean, we're, we're a year yeah. round podcast. We're, yeah. you know, we're podcasting in March. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. When we should be talking about baseball, but, uh, well, you know, spring training. I mean, I'm in uh, Kansas city. I don't know if you've been paying super close attention, but I don't want to talk about baseball. <laughs> it's not, it's not uh, been going yes. very well here lately. It's not been, it's not been great. Oh, uh, but you know what? You, you got the World Series in 2015, so that yes. uh, you, you still got enough of a hangover. Plus, Patrick Mahomes throws out yep. the first pitch every once in a while as a part owner, so that's always yes. a fun, fun thing to have. The Royals' only job at this point is to get to training camp being somewhat interesting, and this year I'm afraid they've fallen about a month short. But they they got us through some of the darker days of the off season. This next month is going to be rough. Yeah, you kind of get to the trade deadline and then you yeah. know some some guys will get traded and then uh and then it's like, "Oh, well, hey, let's look over here. The the Chiefs are in training camp." So The Chiefs are practicing. Let's go talk about that instead. <laughs> well, I got one last Chiefs related question uh sure. before we get into a fun food question. Uh when we we didn't talk about the defense side of the ball. They were, you know, in, in yards uh allowed, they were 14th in pass in passing yardage, number 21 against the run. Uh, you know, it was a team that people kind of targeted when, it, you know, when you had running backs is how do you see kind of the defense breaking down this year uh, for, for opposing teams? It's, it's interesting because some of the stuff they've done has really frustrated me on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, where the offensively I can nitpick on stuff, but defensively, um, obviously there's some like extracurricular sort of stuff up in the air with Frank Clark, but like, I didn't love that trader contract when it happened and, and you know, he helped them win a super bowl. And so that's always going to be, he's going to have goodwill there is what it is. But right now he's got the biggest cap hit on the team this year. And last year he did not perform at that level. Will he this year to be determined? Um, they let Bashad Breland walk the the corner who they've had on, on one-year deals these last two years. Arguably, at least in my mind, their best corner over these last two years. Legereus Sneed, the rookie, had an excellent rookie campaign last year as a fourth-round pick. But but Breland walks, and so there's sort of some uncertainty in the cornerback room. But but Steve Spagnuolo, who's absolutely rejuvenated this defense since he got mm -hmm. here um, after – he's been here the two years they've been in the Super Bowl, basically. He's been there this last two years, going into year three as D.C. here. Um, him and, and Tyron Matthew combined, I think you give most of the credit to for rejuvenating the defense. Chris Jones is excellent, but like Chris Jones is going to spend a lot of time on the edge this year. They don't have much on the edges of their defense. It's Frank Clark and it's kind of some dudes that you're not hundred percent sure about. Well, that takes Chris Jones out of his best position in the middle and moves him to the edge. How is that going to work? I don't know. I, I think that it, it's reasonable to think that Chris Jones will still be good at getting after the quarterback from a few feet to the side. But I don't think it's some like stone cold, no pun intended. That's his nickname, actually. I don't think it's some sort of stone cold lock that, that he's going to be better over there. I they, They've drafted linebackers in the second round both of these last two years. Willie Gay Jr., last year's second round pick, you, you think of as being more of the guy that could try to take a running back out of the backfield. But he struggled to just get on the field last year. This year, they draft Nick Bolton um, as their first of their two second round picks. Linebacker out of Mizzou. He's kind of uh, an, an eventual Anthony Hitchens replacement. He's going to be a Mike linebacker in the future. But Anthony Hitchens is there right now. I don't think he's going to take that spot from Hitchens this year. So I've got my questions there. I also just have a tremendous amount of faith in Spags being able to make the secondary work with their with with Matthew and, and Juan Thornhill in the back with sort of a, a shrug emoji of corners. You're going to try to figure out who lands exactly where. Um, I, I I certainly have some uncertainty at this point. I don't think it's going to like cost them 
um, you know, a, 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 the division probably not going to cost them a first round buy. If they don't have a first round buy, it's probably going to be because Mahomes misses some games or something. I don't know. Um, I, I really think that they're the best team in football at this point, at least in the AFC, pretty confidently. But uh, at least, like from a fantasy perspective, also presuming that the offense is going to be scoring a lot of points again, I would I would not be seeking out the Chiefs' defense, and then they'll they'll hold up great against some of the crummy teams on their their radar. So you can do, as like a little spot start option, or uh, your streaming defenses or whatever. They'll be perfectly. I, I would feel confident against poorer offenses, but I do have sort of some more. Um, I don't know, holistic concerns about the defensive side just because at edge and at corner, I think the two, in my mind, the two most important positions on a defense, those are their two biggest issues, maybe on the entire roster mm-hmm. right now. Oh, man. What? Joshua, I mean, you have been such a fountain of uh, information <laughs> on this one. I can't, oh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how much uh, uh, I appreciate this. I always like to close out with a, f- uh, a fun little Mexican food question. Yes. Uh, and you're, this one's a two-parter, but uh, I'm going to ask you the second part after you answer the first one. Okay. What are your What are your favorite taco meats? Favorite taco meats? Oh, wow. Um. I we haven't mentioned Taco Charlton, by the way. One of those guys at defensive end. I could have woven that in somewhere by now, but I I failed to. Um, well, it's here. You did it here. <laughs> I, I guess I got there. It just was clunkier than I wanted it to be. I love tacos. I love all of them. I think uh, the 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 best like singular taco I've ever had. There is a a uh, a Mexican grocery store in Olathe, Kansas here, which is a little bit down, a little bit outside of Kansas City, but it's right by where I went to college. Um, called Bonito. Mijoken. I don't know what that's Spanish for. I don't know if I botched it or not. Um, oh, but I think it's, it's a grocery bonito. store. I think it's Bonito Michoacan, which is a, a state in Mexico. Michoacan. I, I I ate an entire syllable out of their name just there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's so delicious. So they uh, they're right by another like a Mexican restaurant that more people that is like a sit down restaurant or whatever. And so I think they're they're you know selling some of the meats over there and everything. But they have. A, a just like a, a flat top and a taco bar sort of thing on the side there. And they have my all time favorite tacos. It's just two corn tortillas. The, the asada ones are fantastic. They have a chicken one. That's fantastic. Um, they also, I think maybe the, the absolute kicker is they have the pickled onions with the habanero in them that if, it, if you get, 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 get that on either a good day or a bad day, depending on your metric, you might need to start moving some to the side afterwards if, if you're a little bit sensitive, which apparently I am. But uh, they're my all, they're my all time favorite all time favorite tacos. And I guess I would say I, I I'm pretty much open to whatever in terms of the contents of the taco, as long as you know just little little cilantro, little little just raw onion on the top, little lime juice, and it's beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. So part two of that question is: Kansas City is well known for its barbecue. Yes. Uh, I, 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 everybody, have you ever had Kansas City barbecue tacos? Absolutely. Um, oh, you can get please a, describe. You, <laughs> you can do you can do a, a like a pulled pork one. Uh, I've had a brisket taco before, and oh. you you the best version of it. I've had several. The best version of it though is the one that walks the line. That's a little barbecue and that's a little Hispanic, right? So you 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 might not think you want to have cilantro and your cilantro and some raw onion anywhere near your barbecue on a usual basis, 
but you, you give that a little a little acid from the lime, you throw that on the top, you work that into a brisket or to a, a pulled pork taco that has the smokiness and maybe even has a little sauce in there somewhere. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is like, it is a very Guy Fieri kind of thing, I think, of just like, let's just take two things and make them one thing. Uh, but they're delicious. They're delicious. And right now I am, I'm thinking about seeing what I could door dash through the house right now because <laughs> I was going to have a sandwich for lunch. And I frankly just don't think that's going to cut it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. And you got me, you got me just, oh, you got me really hungry. And there's a couple of places around. <laughs> I mean, California, we have a few, uh, quite a few options, but uh, yeah. oh, geez. Oh, Joshua, I, mi amigo, I cannot thank you so uh, enough for this. Gracias un millón for doing this. Uh, this was awesome. This was incredible. I mean, I was looking forward to this just because this is a fun team to cover. Very. You you raised the bar and made it made it made it a phenomenal time. So uh, now you know you mentioned the, the shows that you're all on. Uh, can you add in your social media play, uh, platforms where people can find you? Yeah, anywhere? absolutely. You can you can follow me at pretty much anywhere that I am. It's at JB Briscoe. There's no E at the end of Briscoe. People get that wrong sometimes. J-B-B-R-I-S-C-O um, on Twitter. And if you go there, you can find everything else that I do. And and uh, also there's a whole lot of nonsense that occasionally pops up. Taco Talk is something that I was very prepared for because I've been there before. There's there's a podcast here based in Kansas City called Taco the Town that I, that I got to be a guest on uh, a little while back. And like that that got those wheels turning already. So uh, yeah, you can, you can follow me on Twitter for, for a good amount of chief stuff, a little bit of me being anxious about the Phoenix suns and uh, plenty of food conversations. If that's your cup of tea. Well, you know, as, as we talked off air, um, you know, I'm rooting for the Clippers, but if the suns go on, I'm adopting the suns just because there's the proximity to LA. So I'll, uh, I'll take it, man. I'll whatever, <laughs> whenever you want to hop on the bandwagon, you're welcome. Uh, if it goes to game seven though, please just, I just don't, don't contact me for any reason. If there's just a game seven, even on the table, cause I don't think my heart can take it. <laughs> I do. I do love a game seven and I've kept Friday night open for myself just to, <laughs> just for that possibility. Oh man. Well, mi amigo, I, again, thank you again. Uh, everybody has just told for our show. Uh, thanks again to anchor for being our hosting network and also to YouTube for being our house for, uh, the video so that you could see both our faces and, uh, please make sure to subscribe, leave us a review wherever you get, wherever you get your podcasts or also make comment on YouTube. And, uh, you can find me at Jorge Martin 17 on Twitter. You can also find our original content, including an article that I'll write on this, uh, on this preview, uh, on familiaffb.com and uh, don't forget our Twitter and Instagram at familiaffb and our familiaffb Facebook page. Uh, Joshua, otra vez, can't thank you enough. Muchas gracias and gracias to everybody for watching and remember, todos somos familia. <laughs>